When I graduated from the University of Texas in 2004, I kind of knew I wanted to go to seminary. I'd felt a call to ministry, um, but I graduated in three years. And so and, uh, the wonderful advice of my parents um, was like, you shouldn't go to graduate school right after college. You need to take a little time. And so um, with two weeks notice, I told them I was taking a bus to Maine <laughs> to go hiking for five months. Um, and I did. And so I got a bus. I got a Greyhound bus from Austin to Millinocket, Maine. It took two and a half days. And I started walking. And when I first started walking on the Appalachian Trail, it was pretty overwhelming. I had 2,000 miles to go, which a 2,000-mile road trip is a long time, right? <laughs> and so conceiving of walking 2,000 was just 2,000 miles was too overwhelming for me. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. So I built a few habits to try and help, help my daily, daily life. The first thing was not thinking about how far it was, but thinking about sleep. Um, <laughs> pretty soon I realized if I expected the same amount of sleep on a mountain as in a bed, I was going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> and so I just redefined sleep for myself. So instead of thinking about like how much sleep did I got, how long was I unconscious, I decided I'm going to define sleep as laying down in the dark. <laughs> and by that definition, I would get like 12 hours of sleep a night. It was fantastic. <laughs> I, I may have only been asleep for two, but it was really, it was really nice. Another thing, um, another thing was to think about, okay, I'm not going to think about 2,000 miles. I'll just think about the next day. I'm just going to think about the next day. Where am I going tomorrow. I'm going to ignore Georgia, which was months away. I'm going to just walk as far as I can. Another thing that happened was that my, my internal clock changed. And so I just naturally knew when the sun was about to rise. And so whenever it was about 30 minutes before dawn, the sky would change to get a little lighter. I was usually staying in a shelter that looked a lot like this. It's a lot like this table. Um, there, were, there, were, there, there weren't a lot of animals. There were some, some mice, but that's fine. Um, in, in New Jersey, there were bear boxes. But it's like American black bears, so they're not really that scary anyway. But there's three walls and a roof, and I'd be laying down on a sleeping pad. And so whenever it was 30 minutes before dawn, I would naturally just pop up, get up, get pack up my sleeping bag and my sleeping mat, put it out, and just get on the road. I'd filled up with water the night before. I was ready to move. Now, the first step of the day was not the hardest step of the day, but it did hurt the worst. <laughs> when you're walking, when you're on your feet 12 hours a day, your feet always hurt. It doesn't matter if you have the best boots in the world, the best shoes in the world, your feet are always going to work. It hurts. But when you've been lying down for 12 hours, you kind of forget about that. Every night you forget about it. You think like, oh, life is, this is good. I'm happy. And then you just take that first step and it's just like, ah. You have no adrenaline going on in your body. You don't have the rhythm going. But it is the second step that is the worst. <laughs> the second step is the hardest because it's taking that step after you know your body is going to hurt. <laughs> And everything in you is like, why don't you just sit back down? <laughs> but you know, you've got to keep going. My friends, we're starting a new series in the season of Epiphany called First Steps. In this new season, in this new year, it is an opportunity to think of the first steps of faith. 
And whether or not you've been a Christian all your life, whether or not you grew up in a church or just in investigating this strange God thing, we each can be intentional about the first steps that we take. And the first step of faith is to realize that God loves you totally and desires for you a life of total love. The first step is to realize that you are loved. But that means that God does not want you to stay in the exact same place. God wants you to empty yourself of all but love, and that means doing the things of God in this world. Isaac Newton's first law is the law of inertia. A body in motion tends to stay in motion. A body in rest tends to stay in rest unless acted upon by an outside force. If you are not in motion in your life, you're not going to just naturally get into motion. If you are not in motion in your relationships, in your friendships, in your career, it's not going to just suddenly happen one day. We tend to stay in the same place usually sinking deeper and deeper. And when we are in motion, sometimes we are going the wrong way, but going the wrong direction can help us to realize that we need to turn our life around. Martin Luther would say, sin boldly. Not because sin is good, but because if you sin boldly, you're more likely to realize that you're sinning to begin with. When you sin tepidly, It's easier to deceive yourself. When you sin in private, it's easy to rationalize that maybe it's not so bad. Maybe I'm not harming other people. Maybe I can just harm myself, and that's fine. We remember in both of these readings for today that God's love is a force in our life from before we are aware of it. In the Methodist Church, we call this provenient grace. God's grace which comes before, which offers love for us, which offers a force in our life, to push us towards love. God is that outside force that sustains our very existence during every moment of every day, but we can easily take God for granted. We can make assumptions about God's love for us. We can make assumptions about where we are in the world. It's kind of like if you're going on vacation to Hawaii for, for three weeks, but you never leave the airport hotel. Just imagine that. You've been planning this trip all year. You go, and you just think that that's it. That's all there is. I'm sure the airport's lovely. I haven't been, but I'm sure it's a lovely airport. But imagine all the things you could see just taking it for granted. There's a, um, Plato has another version of this called the Allegory of the Cave from the Republic. And it's this allegory that imagines that we're all living in a cave, and our only light is just shadows on the wall. And that's all we think is real are these shadows on the wall. And then one day, we finally get out of the cave and we see the world for the first time. And it's amazing and it's beautiful. And we never realized it was there. But some of us want to go back into the cave because at least those shadows were familiar. We were used to them. They were comfortable. We think that we're good. We don't need to take a first step. We're fine. We already have so much going on. We already have this year planned out. We have vacations and conferences planned out. We already have the rest of the day planned out. It is too much. It is too much to add anything to. But it is in those moments of too much in which we really need to take a first step. 
And as I said, the first step is to realize that God loves you totally and desires for you a life of total love. Before we move anywhere, we have to realize that we want to move. Before the Magi left the East, they had to know what they were looking for. They had to know they were looking for something. What are you looking for in your life? Do you already have it? Do you already have the life of love? As John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, called the love of God shed abroad in your heart. What are you looking for? As well, the Magi show us that the life of following God is not something that we must sacrifice other people for. This is important. The Magi do not need to betray Jesus to see him. It is so easy in this world to think that the means justify the ends. But when we use means that contradict our ends, we cannot see our ends. They're blinded to us. Herod's. Herod could not see Jesus. His ego blinded him to this amazing thing that was taking place in his kingdom. He was blinded by the idea that he was the center of the universe. And when we are blinded by ourselves, we cannot see the light in the distance. When we are blinded by ourselves thinking that we are the center of the universe, even those shadows on the wall seem really bright. In order to take this first step, we must realize that we are not alone. And that God does not call us to walk alone. We are not called to walk alone. The life of faith is not meant to be alone, but meant for community called together. We walk this road together. And that means talking about where we are going. If we don't have a plan about where we are going, we are not going to be going in the same direction. So we, those of us here in Berkeley, those of you who are visiting, those of you who have been members for 40 years, we need to talk about where we are going as a church, but we also need to remember that God loves us totally. And God desires for us a life of total love. That it is just not satisfying to God when we aren't loving totally with our lives. And it's not satisfying for us. That's why Augustine said, Our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O Lord. So much of the restlessness of our hearts, so much of the restlessness we see in the world, we know is when we are not resting in God. That realization, that epiphany is going to mean that we need to make some changes. Now, in your bulletin, there should be a little insert that says first steps, and there's a question on it. What is one thing that you can let go of because of God's love for you? I don't know about you, but so often for me, there's so many things I do out of insecurity. I do these things to remind myself. I do these things because I'm worried that I'm not truly loved. But on this Epiphany Sunday, I want us all to take a little time. If you don't have a pen, someone next to you does. I have two pencils and a um, candy cane. That'll help. (laughs) What is one thing you realize you don't need in your life because you are loved fully and totally by the Lord of all creation? We're going to take a few moments of prayer and to write that down. Does anybody need a pen, salt, or a candy cane?
We're going to stop there. If you're still writing, please, please keep on writing. Next week, we'll take another step. The steps are important. We don't need to rush them. As the prophet Isaiah said, Arise, shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That glory is the fact that you are loved. We see that love in Christmas. That God humbled God's self in the form of a child out of love for us because the distance between God and us was too great. In a few months, we'll see how much God loves us on Good Friday. We'll see how much God loves us with the miracle of resurrection at Easter. But today we take this first step that you are loved. You are loved right where you are, but God knows there's something more for each of us. We don't need to stay right where we are. We can step forward into the new year, not to self-actualize ourselves, but to be who we were created to be. Children of God made for love in this world. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.